Welcome to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Kelly, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Can you please introduce yourself to everyone out there listening? Yes, thanks so much for having me. I'm Kelly Burns. I'm associate professor in the Zimmerman School of Advertising and Mass Communications at the University of South Florida, and I have studied social media for a long time. What have you come across, at least your perspective, at least on social media? Yeah, well, it is an integral part of our lives. I don't think we can deny that. So many of us are on many different platforms and we're using those for hours, hours of a day, you know, in our day. So, I, you know, we're not only seeing this with young people, we're seeing this with older people. It's a place where we're going to, to share our photos, share our lives, connect with people. We're getting jobs on social media. We're doing, some of, some of us have jobs that are, to create social media content. So it, it has just really affected our lives in a lot of different ways. You know, we can talk about you know, mental health aspects of social media usage, uh, people who are, like I said before, using social media for their jobs. We have a lot of people who aspire to become influencers or are successful influencers on social media. So it's, it's really something where no field is left untouched by social media. It was a new world that we were all exploring at one point, and now it's became this place where it seems like everyone knows how to work it, at least effectively, to a point to get whatever they want done or just scroll mindlessly for hours. Now, I'm a critic of social media, but I also know the positives in social media, but I do not like the aspect when it comes to at least the mental health side. Um, this, Especially my generation, success is seen as being on social media. Success is seen as making content and getting views viewers and followers and likes and shares and subscribes. And it's like, now it's became the really only effective way to communicate with people. I know people that'll message you on Facebook rather than call you or text you. And it's like, you have my number, just call me. And it's like, that's how people even stay connected with their families. Like Facebook is, I get that, but I'm just curious. So what did you kind of learn about the, your perspective? Like, do you have a positive reaction to it? Do you have a negative I think it is something that we've all been trying to figure out how to manage, and a lot of us are still trying to figure that out. So some of us may have come to the conclusion that this is too much. This is, it's too stressful. It's bad for, you know, if you're on social media and then you feel bad about yourself when you get off, uh, or you don't even want to get off and you're, and you're, you know, putting things off. Oh, I should be working. I should be, um, you know, spending time with my spouse or my family. Uh, and you, hopefully you'll come to the realization that it's just too much. And I have seen people, uh, they'll even post on Facebook. I'm, I'm done with Facebook. I'm, I'm, you know, dropping my account. Great being with you all here for the time I was here, uh, but it's over for me. So I think there are people who are coming to that realization. I do even see young people, since I'm, you know, teaching college students at the University of South Florida, I do see young people who are also resistant uh, to using social media. So they, they're the ones who are the digital natives. We call them the digital natives, but even they have realized that this is a place where they do not want to be. Now, at the same time, I think there are a lot of people who can have healthy relationships with social media. They, uh, use it to, um, you know, connect with friends. I actually just went to a college reunion. And, you know, if, if I hadn't kept those friendships alive, the best I could virtually, I don't think it would have been the same experience. I think it would have been a lot of, you know, you know who are you again? No, you, know, at, you know, so being able to stay connected with people over the years can be very beneficial. I think it's also helpful. I've been uh, traveling on occasion and I've seen a friend, oh, a friend of mine's in the same city, you know, or she lives there. And I might not have known she lived there if I didn't, you know, stay connected with them so through social media. So I think there's a lot of benefits out there. You know, I, I don't, I think we should also, you know, just touch on the political aspects of social media. There is a lot of uh, dissension there. Twitter is well known as a place that people are going with a lot of different political opinions. And, you know, for some people that can also become too, too much and they need to step away. Do you think that like, especially with like college kids, if you're looking at a college kid, do you find that they get overwhelmed too much? 
Like I, I get anxiety sometimes I get a little bit, you know, I'm, I have ADHD, so I start a lot of things, but it's very hard for me to finish something. But if I get like 10 things on my plate, which I usually end up doing, cause I start so many things, it, I freak out a little bit. I get a little bit of a panic attack, but with social media, it, that was just something where there's millions of different things going on at once. You're getting a text. I literally disabled all notifications on my phone. So even when you call me, it goes right to my voicemail. I just have to call you back because too much was getting processed and not enough of it, I guess, and not enough time that I had, or I felt like I had. And I, I just worried about college kids. I mean, they got school, they got bills, they got relationships, they got friendships, and it's gotta be difficult. This is a difficult time in your life. Just like you're saying, I mean, school is a challenge. A lot of students are working. A lot of students have family responsibilities uh, that they're also managing. Um, you know, often money is tight. And so there's, there's a lot of stress that you can have in your life as a young person and you are constantly juggling. And so you're throwing social media into the mix too, just like you said, notifications, like you're trying to write a paper and you're seeing notifications popping up. So, you know, one thing I do say to people is like, turn those notifications off, you know, like you, I personally, I only get, um, you, you sound like you're even cranked down further than I am, but I'll get a text notification and a phone call notification. That's it. Um, I don't get anything like somebody liked your post on Facebook. Like that's, I don't get any like social media notifications on my phone, uh, because that's just too much. And you just constantly, every time you step away for one second to look at your phone, um, you lose your train of thought. So, you know, for, for somebody who's a college student, um, you know, staying focused is very important, but then also you have so many pressures to, to, um, to fit in, to have friends, to have relationships, to uh, be popular, you know, and so that, that's kind of like added pressure as well. Are people liking my posts? Are they liking my reels? Are they, or, you know, engaging with my reels? Are they, um, in, you know, following me? Am I getting more followers? And so that's an added stress that younger people of, you know, 20, 30 years ago didn't, didn't really have to worry about. What, what's, how, how do we get addicted to it? Like to the point where inf influencers are a job now, like people are trying to be influencers in so many ways. I mean, TikTok, like I've talked about the death of attention spans and I have a short one, trust me, but I mean, it really declined quickly in the past, at least couple of years, especially with the invention of TikTok. I mean, five second videos, 10 second videos, it's hard to get people to sit, which is, I mean, shame on me. I do a long form kind of conversational style show. It's good if you're listening in the car or something, but it's not the place for YouTube. I mean, there's measures in place on YouTube, Facebook that show you how to work the algorithm. And it's not like a secret influencer giving you these. This is just the company telling you, if you want to succeed, this is the game you got to play and it's like okay so we're entering a world now where you mentioned our work is sometimes on social media and that's entering a new landscape where we talk about the ideas of being successful through social media yeah okay you're asking a lot of things here and so one thing i'll just say is about the algorithm and how the algorithm just for all of these social media platforms it learns what we like, it delivers the content that we like. And so, and then I think one of the things like the beauty with TikTok is that it's just so easy just to, you know, it's it's easy to get engaged in something because usually they try to hook you really quickly. The, the, the different TikToks try to hit, hook hook you quickly. But then, you know, if you don't like that content, you just swipe, you're on to the next thing. And then TikTok still learning, oh, she didn't like this, but she liked this. So we'll keep, we'll keep giving her more of this. And uh, the, the, the algorithms just suck us in. I, I don't know, how, uh, you know, there's probably many of your uh, listeners and viewers who are said, okay, just like five more minutes on TikTok, you know, and then 20 minutes later, they're still looking at content. So it, it's, it's insidious. It, it learns what we like, and it just hooks us in and we as as viewers of the content there is this phenomenon that happens where we if we're not liking the content and we're still sticking there like we have this strange belief that if we just swipe one more time that will be the content we've been waiting for you know so we keep going and they oh maybe maybe you know this is kind of boring these are you know whatever oh this is this is the the content I've been waiting for. So uh, we do have this sort of belief in ourselves that if we just continue to swipe, we'll finally get the thing that we're landing on. So um, so yeah, they do really hook us in and learn what we like. Uh, I would say as far as jobs go, these these can be lucrative jobs, you know, and so somebody can get a get a following. So for example, an influencer can get a following, even like a small following, you are still seen as valuable because maybe you have a very niche audience of followers 
followers who are very engaged with your content. And so, you know, you don't have to have a million followers to be successful as an influencer. Um, but they, like I said, they are lucrative, but you do know, again, how to work. You, you need to know how to work the system. Not everybody is going to be able to be an influencer, uh, but there are a lot of people who are definitely trying to do that and some very successfully. And it, it is a career option for people these days. Even I, I want to mention also like athletes as well. So, uh, you know, this is a new world for uh, student athletes. If I don't know if you're familiar with the name image likeness legislation that was passed a couple of years ago, but athletes used to be uh, prohibited from making money. Uh, while they're student athletes. And now they can go online too and become uh, become influencers and get paid. So you might have the quarterback at Alabama, um, you know, getting a million dollar deal from somebody while he's still a student. I think that's really good. I just get scared because I think if we look at the, the social media of 10 years ago compared to the social media, even the advanced forms like Facebook is now and many other things, it always leads to advertising. It always goes like I'm watching TikToks and half the time you think it's just like a it's a funny relationship TikTok. And next thing you know, they're selling a product for a certain shampoo or they're selling a product for this. And it's like it's all always leading to that. I mean, I can't scroll through Facebook between three posts. I get an ad for something that I was talking about earlier in the day or searching up earlier in the day. And it gets a little bit scary because then we get back to like, if we talk about a celebrity or we talk about like a student or someone who's getting money from a school, I think that's good. I think that they should get paid and they should be getting money on getting their likeness. But then I go, when do they like have the rights to their image or to their video or to their content? Let's say they have like something in the background, like a Pepsi, could Pepsi just use that in a commercial? True. I, I don't know about that, but I, I do know anything you post on the platforms is actually content that the platforms own. So, you know, that is that is a little scary to think about that they could do something with your content. I do remember a long time ago, Facebook used to say used to have these ads that would say, um, this friend of yours and name them by name, like Starbucks. And um, so maybe you want to like Starbucks too. And I remember people thinking that's a little creepy when it's like saying you like, you know, like, don't you want to be a fan of Starbucks like your friend? It does dating now. So it's yeah, like <laughs> yeah. No, but I agree with what you're saying about the, the ad content on these platforms. You can't get away from it. I mean, that is where they make, that is a big place of where they make their money, not only um, selling the ads, but they also are collecting a lot of data from you. That's very valuable to advertisers as well. Uh, so, you know, there are some platforms for me, Instagram is getting very heavy on, you know, there's a lot of influencer content on there and I almost can't look at it. Um, Instagram anymore because I just feel like there's so much just pushing uh, commercialism. You know, it's all like this is this is another thing that we haven't really talked about, but just the the focus on stuff by buying stuff. And this is what these platforms, of course, they want you to buy things. And so I especially see this on Instagram where it's things for your home, fashion, uh, you know, the things I, I often see beauty, um, recipes, and then you will need to go buy some special food for those recipes. And so it feels like constant pitch, 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 and that um, I can make my life better if I if I buy a lot of stuff. So, uh, you know, that's, that's the message that I'm seeing from a lot of social media platforms. And if that's not in with your values, like you may need to pull back from social media as well. It used to be specific apps that would do like Snapchat was quickly like send a, like a picture to your friends and it goes away after a couple of seconds. And then I think uh, even with TikTok, it was reels and things of that sort. Then Instagram added reels. And then Facebook, I think, was the first to really add shopping to it. And then Instagram added shopping and they don't even give you the full directions on shopping on it. To set up a store page, you have to have a certain number of content and be subscribed to their membership program, which is like another inside fee and then another rights fee as well. So you got to read the terms and services on that one and it's like a whole hassle of all these hoops you got to jump through before you can even start listing your content on there and it's like it's very very especially with this era of social media and all this the terms and services are some of the most important things i did not realize i always just clicked accept and scroll right through but when you read them you start reading like hey i don't think that's something you guys should be really worried about like why do you need to know you know when my second cousin was born or when what, what's my social security number that's a danger Right. They, they are collecting a lot of information from you. And yes, it is often recommended that you read those, uh, the terms of agreement. 
um, I just had a stat recently that it was like, if you read all the terms of agreement of all the platforms you're using, it would take you <laughs> this many months or this many years to do this. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous how, how long these documents are. Uh, mo yeah, most of us just say, accept as quickly as we can to what they're doing. But you know, it, it is important to be aware uh, or to like, at least maybe you don't read those, um, terms, but maybe you go in and look at your privacy settings and you look and see what kind of access you've uh, given the platform. Do they have access to your friends, your, your, like your contact list? I mean, like it's in your phone, uh, you know, so do they have access to your microphone? Uh, do they, you know, so like, what, what are you giving these platforms access to? And so I, I tend to, especially because my number one platform is probably Facebook, followed by Twitter, it tend to go on those platforms every once in a while and just look at my privacy settings and, and see if there's anything that I that I want to change in there that uh, might make me more comfortable in using the site. But yeah, most of us aren't very savvy. And that's how we get into trouble. If you remember that case from a few years ago, Cambridge Analytica, where people uh, did like a little quiz online, and then they were able to harvest all this data, and then they use that data for political reasons uh, to uh, you know, promote or uh, promote a certain candidate to to you on social media. So um, I would be wary of like doing that after that, like anybody who's doing a quiz, anybody who's doing anything where maybe they, they take your profile picture and they want to do something with your profile picture, you're granting like this weird, it's not even Facebook, it's some weird third party app access to your data. When, when people, if you see those questions, I see them a lot on Facebook, like what's your first memory or something like that, or what's your favorite uh, meal or, you know, something, and people are responding to that. It's like, they're just co collecting your name, you know, like why would you respond to some random site stupid question of the day stop doing that people i always see because your friend who whatever friends of yours responded pop up half the time it's like my husband or my sister-in-law or somebody like that and i'm like stop responding to these uh random facebook platform or profiles questions so they're just collecting data from i think people. some of them even use like a fake actresses or they'll use like mac Matt Damon's name or something like that with a check mark and they'll ask you like can you PayPal me this much money and oh, you're like that too what? yeah you but have to be careful how many Facebook people I don't know if this is just me or maybe you've experienced this too but friends of mine on Facebook have been getting hacked and they'll send you a message with a link and then next thing you know someone else clicks that I know not to click any messages or just click any links like that but it happens like I mean on a daily basis there's that one friend of mine or two friends of mine that are experiencing it got hacked got this I'm like so is there more people trying to get into people's private information online. I mean, I've talked about cybersecurity before, but I mean, when you accept terms and services, you don't know what apps are connected. My Instagram doesn't need to verify anything when it's connected to another app like Facebook. They say they're separate, but tech, I mean, if I don't have to hit accept on one and it, that means they must be connected at some point. Right. I'm seeing a lot of hacking lately. I've seen a lot of Facebook friends who said, don't accept, you know, another request from me that I've been hacked. I don't, I don't just like you're saying, just kind of like recently, this has really exploded. But yeah, I think we fall into this trap of, especially when they uh, duplicate your profile. And so you kind of say to yourself, I thought I was already friends with that person. But you're like, I guess I wasn't friends with them. And then you accept. And then then they've got you to maybe do something you know, this, this hacker to do something to you. And a common, uh, a common tactic that they use is that they say, oh, I'm stranded overseas and I, I don't have access to my wallet. It was stolen. And if you could just, yeah, PayPal me, you know, a hundred dollars, it could really help me get back to the United States. And so like any request for money that you get from a friend like this, I would always be suspicious. And if you have that friends, you know, oh, maybe they say, oh, I lost my phone, but you know, still try to text that friend and say, hey, I got this strange request, you know, like double check it 
it's probably a scam. So I would say, don't even send money to your friend begging for money. Uh, that sounds really harsh, but it's probably a scam. But anyway, you can kind of like double check it. I, I would suggest doing that. But yeah, any kind of links that you get from a friend, uh, it, you know, through Messenger or anything like that, uh, you know, a common tactic is that they'll say we have this, um, you know, we recorded you on the webcam and we're going to release this if, if you don't, you know, click here and send us money, you know, like this is all, these are all scams. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of people out there trying to take advantage. You know, there's, you, when you've got billions of people using these social media sites, you're going to hit a few people who will fall into your trap and, and, and they do. So they, they keep doing it. You mentioned the political thing. Um, I, I was just curious when it comes to like social media being the new news source, like, I feel like a lot of people don't really look at CNN and Fox anymore. They kind of scroll to Twitter and see what's going on in their Twitter algorithm or looking. I mean, that's where I see news mostly is on Twitter. I don't watch the news at all, but if I go trying to search up someone, or if I just go through my news feed, I come across something that happened and it's usually like a heavy topic. And I'm just like, I, I did not expect Twitter to now be the new news source, the independent source. And then we have Facebook as well, too. It used to just be like memories or this, but now I'm coming across articles saying this or saying arts articles saying that. And I'm like, I know there's more people on Facebook than just like elderly grandparents. There's young people on Facebook, too. I'm just curious to the 12 year old who's clicking into something about Russia and Ukraine, which I mean, it gets into weird territory because I feel like everything on social media is, is somehow set up to pick a side on things. And I think that's I mean, that's just a part of our culture. They use Coke versus Pepsi is like, you know, choose your side is fun, but it gets it doesn't really turn into a social media app anymore. It starts becoming like an article source. I'd say with Twitter, Twitter is kind of the go-to news source, I would say. And yes, you don't always know who these people are. You know, they could be hiding behind an identity. Uh, you don't know how credible their their information is. A lot of people just like to spew things on, uh, you know, their opinion. It's their opinion on something. So, you know, you really have to take Twitter with a grain of salt. I mean, obviously, the reputable news sources are on Twitter. So, you know, if I saw something, I would, you know, double check the sources. Is it actually uh, the, the, the source that I think it is and not some kind of like they change the name slightly or have, you know, like if you look at their followers or they have 50 followers on Twitter, that must not be the New York, the real New York Times or whatever. Uh, so you, there are a lot of reputable news sources on there, but you do, you know, you can't trust anything um, that just regular people are saying, again, you don't know um, what their agenda is, what they're trying to do. So it's, um, I, I think though, it's a good place. Like, um, for example, I've been in situations where I'm like, what's like, there was a, I was in downtown uh, Tampa where I live and there was a hell like a lot of helicopters and police activity. I was like, somebody on Twitter must know what's going on here. So I went to the, I went to Twitter and, um, because that's where you're going to get like the citizen journalists on the ground that might be tweeting something happening where the mainstream media hasn't quite gotten to the scene and they're not reporting the story yet because they haven't talked to the police chief or whoever they need to talk to. But you might see citizens on the ground. And actually, it was a big story. It was a, a local serial killer that they were they were on him uh, in downtown Tampa and about to uh, they had just captured him. Uh, so, um, you know, it's, it's a good way to kind of see like Again, those citizen journalism stories, somebody who might be on the ground, like we also just had a hurricane come through like two hours south of us, but you know, Twitter is a good place to go. Like, um, let me see what people are saying about their, their personal hurricane stories. You know, something again, that might not be covered by our local media because they can't cover all the stories. Um, but let me see like some different people who are right on the scene and their video that they captured of the hurricane. So that, that's a good way to use Twitter. <laughs> There's a lot of bad ways to use Twitter, as I mentioned, too. I think Twitter can definitely excel, but I think it helps out probably people that are like, like not wouldn't say content creators, but people that are just making something like creative minds in general, people that are in books. There's like writing communities if you're writing a book and you can see it now with, the, um, I think it's view de tweet details and you click it and it'll tell you what your reach is, what your audience of who you reached, how many people clicked on your link. I think that's helpful if you're like a marketing type thing, which makes it more of like, I said, a business platform rather than like a social thing as well too. But I've seen growth in communities. It just, everything's kind of set 
up to start doing your own thing. You know what I mean? Like everything's set up to like, Hey, you can create this or you can create a book or you can do this or you can create a group or you can, and it's, that's how it all is. And I, I, I think it's good, but at the same time, I'm like, there is not really a whole, like, I think there should be more like LinkedIn's a good one. LinkedIn's good. If you're getting a job, LinkedIn's, I mean, I have weird connections. I have people that you would never like people that are friends with like Oliver Stone It's like, why does that kid from ocean city know Oliver Stone? And it's just like, I think that's really interesting if you're getting a job and you're able to put out a resume, but I, I mean, LinkedIn even still does stuff as well too, where you see articles and you see news things as well too. And then it's like, create this or buy this app. And it's like, okay, so this is like a marketing thing. It's not really a social apps anymore. Right. Right. So yeah, there's, um, so yes, you can do a lot on these platforms if you are building a business or promoting yourself or your book or your community or something like that. So yeah, LinkedIn is typically typically thought of as a business platform, but I'm seeing it more and more a place where people are like building their brand on LinkedIn. I think the addition of the newsfeed, whenever that came, we, we didn't have the newsfeed on there until you know the last uh, few years or so. Uh, but having that newsfeed on there, you can kind of see like what people are doing. To me, it's a little bit inspiring because I can see, oh, this person's attending this conference and this person wrote a book or this person is speaking at this event. Uh, so it's a little bit more than just like this person got this job or this person got promoted or this person's celebrating a work anniversary. I don't care about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, but I think on Twitter, when you were talking about Twitter before, I'm seeing a lot of people building really great communities uh, around like the business services that they offer. So, you know, because I'm in the academic community. I'm seeing a lot. I see uh, a lot of people who, uh, like you mentioned, I think writing communities. So, you know, people who are building writing communities for professors, for example. Twitterstorians. Yeah. Yeah. Twitterstorians. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you follow Jason Hebert, I believe is his name. Uh, he does um, history at the movies. He tweets history at the movies and people watch a movie together that has a his historical uh, plot of some sort and they tweet about it and he shares historical uh, facts about the movie. So, you know, just a lot, a lot of people who like to watch historical movies and learn from those movies. So, you know, I think there's a lot of great communities out there. I see marketers building communities, people who organize Twitter chats. I think, um, you know, there are people who are very involved in the Twitter chat community, and that can be a great way if you work in you know, marketing or whatever you work in to, you know, if questions are asked, you're answering them, you're learning from the other people who are answering them. And I think that that's a great opportunity for people to connect to one another on you know on Twitter and the nice thing too about Twitter is you don't really have to create a lot of like amazing content that's not like TikTok where I've got to make a video and it's got to have music and I've got to have like a funny hook you know Twitter is just sort of a free-for-all I mean I see good content on there too really creative content but it's not quite as creative as some of the other platforms so it's kind of like a low level of entry to to be on Twitter do you think the social media platforms got better and probably improved a lot of people's lives since the pandemic? Like, I feel like during that time, we were all locked down and all we had was, but I mean, Twitter spaces, I give that so much. I love Dane Cook's Twitter spaces, just joining them and he's answering questions. Like, this is the only time you're ever going to talk to Dane Cook. You know, he was the box boy and employee of the month. It's like, and you know, I just, I, I, I got to be able to ask one question. I was like, Hey, aren't you that guy who played? And I just said, yeah. And then he was like, yeah, that's me. And then that was it, but it was stupid. But to me, that was like, that was the first time I could talk to Dane freaking cook, man. I mean, that's interesting to me. And then you see academics completely excel too. Someone publishes a paper, not only can that get more retweets and get a bigger spread audience, but also how many people do you think got interested into a topic that they never thought they would get interested to since just being able to look into, I mean, I got interested in bio weapon history and chemical weapon history and learning about like the cold war. I mean, that's something I would have never thought in a million years, but that was because of Twitter. Right. I feel like people pivoted so quickly during the pandemic in so many different ways. So not only like a lot of us, our jobs pivoted or the way we went to school pivoted, um, but also this, the entertainment community, how they jumped on this so fast and, and kind of came up with all these creative ideas. So like what you're talking about where maybe we could have a zoom or, you know, some kind of a um, way to engage with a celebrity and they're just sitting at their home. Maybe they're playing their guitar or maybe they're showing you how to cook something. Uh, so, you know, they, they really jumped on that. I think I saw like a Broadway responding with, you know, all kinds of performances that you could watch. And so it did give us a, you know, a window into not only like these celebrities lives, like, 
I mean, we've had a window into their world, and this is something that I've looked at a lot with how social media has kind of blown up celebrity culture in a way, like get, given us more exposure to celebrities. But I think, you know, in a way we never had before. So like I said, we saw them at home in a way that we'd never really seen them before. We saw them doing things that they like to do or showcasing like another side of themselves. Uh, you know, maybe I think somebody was even reading stories to children. They were having celebrities reading stories to children. Uh, so your, your child could it's watch. Captain Kirk. Yes, Captain yes. Kirk that's Okay, that. that's who it was. You know, so your child could watch. He's like, we've never seen that before. So um, we were able to really like get, get in. And, and like you're saying, I think we did you know, take this opportunity to learn a lot of different things. Like, you know, just, we had access. I know a lot of like museums had like, oh, we're going to show you, you can't come to our museum, but we'll give you a tour of the museum. And I know like the Getty Museum in Los Angeles did something where you could um, dress up like a famous painting and then uh, take a photo of yourself, share it on social media. And so, you know, like expire, inspiring people to do things in creative ways were stuck at home that couldn't go to the museum or couldn't go to the um, concerts too. We saw a lot of virtual concerts happening uh, during the pandemic and uh, like kind of maybe feeling a little bit more intimate than being at, even though we're watching it from our computer, maybe even being a little bit more intimate than going to a big stadium to see it to see a concert. I spoke to someone about fandom and they didn't really agree with this example, but I think for me with celebrities, I think social media has opened up a doorway that biographies used to. Um, there is insane fandom. There's positives to it, but there's also negatives. But I talk about understanding who a person is of the music that you either like or the movie that you like or getting to know who that person is on an emotional level, which is usually in a biography. If you read Anthony Kiedis's biography, you understand a lot about the guy, and I probably wouldn't run up to him if I did not read it and say, hey, can I get a picture? I would be very, very even keel and very calm and shake his hand, and that was it. But social media does that, and my example is Tom Holland, when he took a, he's taken a break from acting, um, he decided to put up a video talking about his mental health and talking about how he was going to take a break for a while, and now people called it a cry for attention. I go, I think you're getting a better examination into his life personally from his account and from his mouth, um, which in any time in history that wouldn't have happened. You would have saw a flashy news article or a little tabloid magazine in a grocery store that tells you actor taking break. But now you get to hear Tom Holland explain his reasons why he says he's taking a break from social media and then get goes away. You get a deeper connection, I would say, not only as a fan, but just you realize, holy crap, this is a person. He's not just Spider-Man. Right. I think that is one thing that we, that social media opens the window to that these celebrities, yes, they have been very like mediated through their publicists and different things and, and seeing them in different roles. Like we saw them in roles, for example, actors, and we maybe get something through the entertainment media that's like going through their publicist. And it's the, usually the information the publicist wants to release about them. Uh, but now like we have this window into whatever they want to share about their lives. They can speak directly to their fans. Uh, they can engage with their fans. They can send a message to their fans, um, as we've seen uh, a certain uh, Maroon 5 lead singer <laughs> doing recently. Um, but that, you know, like we, we don't, we shouldn't forget that they are people too. They are multifaceted people. I mean, one of the things I, I think I've, I've written about this or looked at this before is um, how different people, maybe they're known for being an actor, but they're also an artist. And social media gives us a chance to see them like a like an actual like drawing type of artist. Uh, somebody that comes to mind, I think it's um, I think it's Jeff Bridges who's done a lot of like really creative stuff on the side of being an actor. Um, I think he's also a singer. Sorry, I'm not like a huge fan, but I just know he's done a lot of like more creative stuff. Like we should realize that they could be an artist. They could be a singer when we've only thought of them as an actor. They could be a great chef. They could be, you know, somebody that's great with fashion or, you know, whatever it is, uh, writing poetry. So you know, they have an opportunity to, opportunity also to share all these sides of themselves on social media, just like we have this opportunity as just regular people to share all of this about ourselves on social media. And so, you know, we can connect with those with those uh, celebrities in, in different different ways now. I think the newsfeed and the algorithm actually does a disservice when it comes to like a celebrity post and something, because if someone likes that celebrity and you're friends with that person, they retweet it, then that pops up in your newsfeed. And then some that's because that's where I see if I look at the comments, I have seen comments like on someone's video, like uh, we'd say like Tom Cruise or something like, how dare you against Scientology? Like this person's targeting that person. I go, 
are you following this person? And I clicked on them. I'm like, they're not following Tom Cruise, but someone that they're friends with is following them. And it's ending up in their newsfeed where you're getting like, and that's where they added them um, in the corner top right of uh, Twitter. They have a thing. You click it and it says following, and it only will show you content related to the people you're following. Elon Musk put that up, but then even we got Elon Musk putting up tweets and he's like controlling the flow. Like, do you know, like not even a couple months ago when he was, when he was bought Twitter, I think he was in the process of buying it. Everyone's like, it's going to change. It's going to be more free speech. And I'm like, is this true? And it's like, you, you had so many people relying into stuff where then you're having like an identity crisis. Like, wait, is all this information just curated information? And then that's when it lands in like conspiracy territory. But I'm just like, I mean, I don't know. I found an article about Facebook and they added that angry emoji on a post. Yes. Because they realize it sparks up some. And I'm just like, okay, so is are we just being like manipulated in a sense where I'm like, is this just like big companies keeping like the and I get it if it gets more clicks and it gets more attention and all it's all it is really is screen time. But I mean, ugh. You know, I guess in the end, we are being manipulated. We are, uh, you know, from the marketing side, we've got a lot of products that are being put in front of us, making us want these products from the political side. We're getting all this information. If we look at uh, 2016, there were so many things going on in 2016 as far as, uh, you know, fake news stories that uh, different outside groups like outside the United States were, were posting. Russian troll farms. Russian, yes. And looking like they were from American newspapers, you know, or all these conspiracies, you know, just going on out there. So, you know, what is going on? TikTok is owned by a Chinese company. So a lot of people, uh, you know, are, are questioning what's TikTok up to, you know, what are they, what are they going to do with all this data that they have about, you know, mostly American users. Uh, so, um, you know, I think people do have to kind of worry about this big picture of, you know, all the information that they're putting out there about themselves, how can this be used? How, how am I being manipulated with what I buy, who I vote for, you know, how I live my life and how much of that is, um, you know, because of social media and social media controlling me. So, you know, I wouldn't like totally rule out that there is some, you know, I don't, I don't know that, you know, Mark Zuckerberg sitting around with this like master plan of controlling the universe, but, you know, I, I do think it's, it's insidious in a lot of ways and it's, it is manipulating us. And I think the more we can, you know, can, can we realize it and say, try, I'll try to tune that part out. Like I'll try to tune out all the ads and I'll try to tune out all the political commentary and um, anything that's trying to change my view of the world. Uh, it's really hard to do. <laughs> it's really hard to do. What, what are the, I mean, I heard a Zuckerberg interview on Joe Rogan, which honestly, it's pretty boring for like a good hour and a half, but he does say some really interesting stuff when it comes to just how Facebook works. He does talk about like, there's algorithms out there that are so smart that they just create a profile and they can send basic messages like hi back and forth and not just it's not a person asking for paypal money i mean these people go like really like it's a complicated algorithm and it somehow gets your number and the thing with facebook which he says you know is a problem that people have is that they have your number on there and there's not a way to take it off to keep complete your profile you have to have your phone number on there and that leaks out and somehow that gets a hold of things and it's like how many times are you talking to someone and they're just reiterating the same thing, maybe the same post over and over again, but they'll add a comment, but it'll be a couple of words, but you'll see that comment throughout their thing. They'll keep posting that same thing. The person's not real. And you're like, wait, 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 is this real? And then I think Zuckerberg even talked about the top five pages on Facebook are Russian troll farms. And, and it's just like, okay, so I'm, I get into this area of like, is this like, oh, is this, is this normal? Is this how thing, like how many people are going to try dating and they come across a name and it's just using someone else's Facebook picture? Right, right. Yeah, there's so much going on. When you mentioned the phone numbers, I was thinking about, you know, because they do have your phone number. I know that they've they've done something where they can just get a list of, you know, if they, I think there was even something like they plug your phone number into the, into the Facebook search bar, they can find, I don't know if they changed this, but at one time they could find like everything else about you just from your phone number. So when you're giving out your phone number, you know, you're checking out at a store and they're like, can I, can I have your phone number? It's like, now they not only know what you purchased at the store and they probably know about 
bunch of other stuff, but now they are, they're connected to your, you know, your Facebook profile and they can find out all this other information about you. So, you know, I'm not sure if I have anything else to add in that area, but it is something that, that people do need to be concerned about. When it comes, when it comes to celebrities or new celebrities, like people that are might get fame like tomorrow or might get fame like a week from now, do you think it's going to be interesting that you're going to have a way better documentary or biography about that celebrity because the amount of our social footprint? Like I, I, I looked into Elvis and there's like this big skeptic or skeptical history of Elvis because he didn't know he didn't keep a diary. He didn't really have a journal. They're just periods where he was gone. Well, if you look at social media, if someone becomes famous tomorrow, I mean, they'll have Facebook posts tracking back from whenever they started their Facebook page. And most of the time it's a post about like their day or what they're going to be doing. And they'll show a photo or a video. And then now people that could be a historians in the future on this person have a way better backlog to look at what this person was accurately doing on the 5th of November. You know, like that's That's a good point. Yeah, that we really have this um probably a big celebrity kind of almost day-to-day diary of what what they're doing and uh, how they're spending their time and where they're traveling and where they're eating and all of that so yeah we definitely have a, a document of um of w- what they're doing now i guess you know i would say like how much of that is just like kind of like publicity shot type content um and it's still sort of mediated by you know through their publicist or pr people or social media team and how much of that is like authentic to them and what how they're really living living their lives Uh, but I think it is an interesting um like you say a diary of their time and where where they're spending their time and I think you know one thing that social media have really opened up is that we can we know where celebrities are nowadays and if you think back to the uh, entertainment media pre pre social media, it was like, oh, look at this person. They happen to be eating at this restaurant in New York City. And you might think to yourself, oh, that'd be nice. I wonder if I ever went into that restaurant that I might see that celebrity. Now they may post it, you know, or some some fan may post it on social media. Look who I just saw in this restaurant. And you can run, if you're in New York, you just run over there and you might be able to see them, them yourself. So there is, um, you know, I think from a celebrity perspective, a lot of, you know, privacy concerns about Am I going to get rushed at this at this restaurant because some fan just posted that I was here uh, where you know, like in the old days, we would usually have to, you know, wait till the entertainment media reported something, a sighting of a celebrity. Do you think that it gives too much, I guess, inside information on a celebrity like the, the, the contact is really easy. You can find their email. But I remember watching a video where someone was taking a picture at a pizza shop and someone commented, I thought you were vegan. And then it was trending like all eight pizza, they're not vegan anymore. And it's just like, oh, it's like, you don't know, like you don't take a photo and you don't think, oh, I'm what you're thinking is I'm going to capture this moment. You don't think, oh, I got to make sure there's no Hollywood future movies behind me that have like memorabilia or anything like that. Or if I'm in a situation like people, I mean, I saw a good couple celebrities just hop off social media. I think Bill Murray is kind of in a crappy situation because he, they're, there used to be this story about Bill Murray he used to walk up to people that were eating something and he was to take something off their plate and he goes, go ahead. No one will believe you. But now we have photos to take a photo of that. Right. I know. Yeah. He is kind of an in- interesting character uh, pops up in strange places uh, with, with around his fans. So yeah, I, um, I think you just, maybe there's more pressure to always, you know, manage your reputation. So, and I think for us too, for regular people, like we're also thinking about, you know, where are we post, where, what are we doing? Where are we posting? I mean, of course the pressure isn't quite as high, but I mean, there's certain standards. I know people in the past have gotten in trouble. Teachers, you know, gotten past in trouble in the past for having a wine glass. This is kind of like early social media. Um, but I remember a teacher being fired from her job because God forbid she was drinking a wine on the weekend when she was not teaching. <laughs> so, you know, we, 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 are, we do have to, you know, always like be thinking about how we are uh, presenting ourselves online and that kind of going back to uh, sort of the bad side of social media. Some people can become too obsessed with that, that they're, that they um, are not, you know, that their clothes don't look right or their makeup doesn't look right or they don't look right or they're not in a fancy enough um you know, like the hotel that, that they're saying it has to be fancy and where they're traveling has to be someplace fabulous. So there, you know, maybe is a little bit more pressure on us to 
like live this aspirational life, uh, you know, some more than others, those aspiring influencers and influencers are definitely trying to portray this aspirational life, but, you know, it can be a lot of pressure on, on regular people as well, as well as celebrities, as we were saying before, because, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot more on the line for them with their careers. There was a brief amount of time, probably five, six years ago, where I think a lot of kids that I went to school with, what they would do is that when they took a picture of that, like a party, they would make sure their beer was in their hand and it, they were holding it up like to the camera. And I was like, what is that? Like, is that so people know that you're partying out or something like you're actually having a good time? Like nobody could just have a water in their hands. It was and you could scroll through anybody my age's photos from like five years ago. I guarantee you they're all holding up like a beer or they're holding up something that's showing like, hey, we're part of the situation and they'll just put it down. I've been to parties where people put it down after the photo and never touched it again. I was like, what is that? Like, that's really weird. But it's this social indication that starts happening. You know, when we see motivational videos, which I hate, but they're out there, they might help somebody. What is it in front of a giant? Like, look at my new McLaren I just bought. And he's in front of a bunch of bookcases. And you're like, all right, dude, I don't know. Like, it just angers me that he's doing a video like right, that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all thinking about what what do, what do our followers, what, what can they see that can make us look better, you know, in their eyes. And so whether it's the beer, the car, whatever it is, we're trying to present that image, like the, the best part of ourselves. And this is something, you know, a lot of people talk about on social media with regards to social media that, you know, you're only seeing the best part of somebody's life, you know, and so when somebody's life looks wonderful and it, it's fabulous and they're traveling and they're going to wonderful dinners and, oh, they have the greatest spouse and kids and everything, you know, we do have to keep in mind that they're only sharing what they want to share. And they're not, there could be some, you know, sad things going on, scary things, dark aspects of their life. And they're not showing you that. So we're all like curating. And even we know people are curating. It still doesn't you know, we still, we're still like, oh, I wish I could live their life, even though we know that it's, you know, it's probably curated. It's, it still just looks good. And then it makes us in, in turn, like, well, they're not sharing the bad side of their life. So why would I share, you know, anything that's not going so well in my life, you know, and then it's again, then people see my life and then, you know, it's so it's a cycle that we can't get out of on social media. When it comes to like followers and likes, like what are your thoughts on all those? I they actually added a feature now to where you can hide likes and views on your uh, posts now, uh, especially on Instagram. So it just, I guess they realize like it's kind of like people see that and they go, oh, this person has a million likes, they must be popular, and they click into their profile. But also, people were getting like a bit of addicted to that. I was that's why I took a break from social media. If I'm refreshing my follower count thinking, okay, I got to get more followers, more followers, more followers. Hey, like and subscribe, follow and follow back. That's where I'm like, all right, that's like dust the hands off and you know, toss it. Yeah, I mean, there there is this race. And you know, I think we can't always trust people's numbers. Of course, we do know people who will purchase followers. And then I know there are people who are kind of in circles of influencers that will like make sure that they like one another's posts, you know, so you post, I have my, got my 20 people or 50 people, and I just make sure to like all their content. Kelly, you so, didn't like my post, Kelly. You didn't oh, like no. my post. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'll go back and like it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so um, I think you can't always trust that. So yeah, it does as when you're looking at other people's posts and you're like, you know, um, why don't I have as many likes as this person? I think, again, you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt and just say, well, you know, that could, that could be manipulated. Um, yeah. And I know Instagram is uh, offering a feature where you can hide the likes. Um, you know, most people who have a lot of likes probably don't want to hide their likes, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it does kind of make you wonder, you know, what does it really mean? What does a like mean? Do they really like your content or are they just scrolling past it and just automatically liking it? Or are they, you know, were they purchased, you know, like what were some of these likes purchased? When it comes to maybe the next 10 years, what do you think? Do you think it's going to evolve into something else? Or do you think it's just going to continue down more involvement into social media? I mean, People can work off Facebook. I've seen people sell merchandise on Facebook, not even from the store aspect, just putting up a post. I think it's great for benefits. Um, there are certain social situations where you're either throwing a benefit for someone's life or something like that, like a GoFundMe. Um, 
those types of situations are amazing. We have one right now. It's um, called Justin justice for Gavin. A kid was killed in our town. Um, and they're raising, I see it everywhere. I see posts, restaurants, even acting up, but people would create an event on Facebook just to, you know, raise awareness and raise a message, give a story point to an article. I think that's in, I mean, extremely beneficial, but then we go into like, what's the next 10 years going to be like, I mean, is this going to enter? I think after the pandemic, it let work from home be more accessible and more of an option, even doctor visits sometime as well. too. you could do a, a zoom call, which I, I like, and I don't, I think sometimes if you got to get checked out a little bit, but I mean, if your doctor has a long wait line, that's so much easier to slip in a 10 minute zoom call or something like that, just to check. I mean, even a therapist appointment. Yeah. So, okay. I'll go back. Cause I, I liked what you were saying about the GoFundMe and how the power of people who can come together on social media to do something good, you know, so whether it, we would not have had, uh, I mean, GoFundMe could have existed on a web, you know, like on its website and sat there, but without social media, like it puts it, it puts those uh, drives or those fun funding for in front of it. Oh, sorry, fundraising drives in front of our faces, you know, so as we're scrolling through, we're reading about the GoFundMe you're just talking about or another friend's GoFundMe or another friend, maybe um, even Facebook, you know, has its own fundraising platform. Uh, so it puts us puts it in front of us in a way that we would have had to go seek it out before uh, on the web somewhere else. And so I think, you know, whether it's fundraising, whether it's signing a petition, you know, getting we just had some like local issue where people were getting a petition and trying to organize neighbors to go out and speak against something, you know, uh, we don't want to forget that social media is really great for bringing people together for a cause. Okay, so then 10 years, where are we going to be in 10 years? So yes, we've already seen, you know, a lot of changes in these social media platforms. Of course, they're like more integrated into our lives than ever before. You know, I, I think one thing that a lot of people are talking about is um, not only artificial intelligence and how that might play a role in social media, but more so, I think like virtual environments. And, you know, if you kind of like think we could step into a complete virtual environment, you know, it'd be nice not to have to wear a headset or something like that, like you do right now, but could we step into a virtual environment? So instead of me kind of interacting with, you know, Facebook and other social media platforms, like in a kind of two-dimensional way, maybe I could step in there in some way and I could actually see my friends and actually have a conversation with an avatar or maybe, you know, something that looks just like myself um, that we could have a conversation. Maybe we could have a, a party through Facebook. So you know, I think we might see like, see it being like further um, integrated into our lives in that way. So it's, it's kind of scary to think, but at the same time, like when we think about, you know, we never knew we'd even be here, you know, here uh, where we're seeing all of our friends' lives. I want to just say something like when the, when Facebook started the news feed, it's like hard to imagine Facebook without a news feed. Uh, what you ha would have to do in the early days of Facebook is you'd get your friends and then you would like go on their, you go to their profile. You say, oh, I want to check out what this friend's doing. You'd go to their profile and they would have posted some stuff on their wall there. And then when the Facebook news feed came around, people were like, oh my gosh, everything I'm doing is going to be in front of people, you know, where they can just scroll scroll by and see what I'm doing. And, and people were really shocked. And now it seems crazy to think like, well, like <laughs> that we could even go back to the old way of just going, oh, let me search this person. Now let me go see what they're doing. Let me see what they're doing. Let's see what they're doing. Uh, and, and look at their, look at their walls. But um, so I'm just saying that in terms of like, sometimes we don't really we kind of push back on the advances of these platforms, but then once we get there and they give it to us, then we're like, oh, we could never have gone back to the old way. So, you know, if I'm saying something crazy, like, you know, oh, we're actually going to enter Facebook and be able to walk around and um, hang out with our friends virtually, that, that kind of sounds crazy now, but you know, that could be something that they do in the future. I'm sure the capability is, is pretty much there. And then we go, oh, I can't imagine that we actually used to scroll through Facebook. <laughs> the metaverse is what they call it. <laughs> the metaverse. Yeah. So we may be in the metaverse. And, you know, when you think about how much of our lives, like, you know, maybe instead of a, you know, a Facebook store, we actually have a physical store in this metaverse that people can actually, you know, come and engage with our products, try something on in the metaverse and uh, interact that way. Do you ever think online would take over the whole education aspect? 
Yeah, that's uh, that's something. Of course, you know, coming out of the pandemic or during the pandemic, we saw that that a lot of um, content could be delivered effectively through uh, virtual environments, and uh, I think you know there was kind of like at my own university, sort of a we want to we want to be more on campus. We want to have more in person classes, uh, just because students we felt like students really missed out on that campus experience. But you know, I think the pendulum could start to sw swing the other way. And I I think, you know, I think in a hundred years, uh, the educational system could be, especially the higher ed, ed system, could be completely blown up into, you know. Um, you're just deciding, you know, I want this course and this course, and you're taking it virtually and you're putting it together. And they're, they're not courses from one university, they're from experts in the field. And you piece together what you need, you know, skills wise and knowledge wise to work in this field that you want to work in. So you won't have a degree from a school, you'll have um, maybe some kind of a certificate um, from a multitude of it won't even be from places. It'll just be from, you know, ex like I said, experts in the field who are um, can deliver the course content. So we could not have universities <laughs> in the future. One area that I thought was interesting was that it's not even a social app, but YouTube, what it could do for people who might not have been given that experience from a parent, which would be changing your oil in your car, um, filling up uh, washer fluid, anything that could be a fix, you can just YouTube it now and it'll show you how to do it. I mean, I know people that have installed furniture, done something in their house, remodeled something all from YouTube and it didn't look bad when they did it. So, I mean, it's just a whole new platform that's going to teach you experience where you might get something from this that you couldn't get in an education system or something that a parent could teach you. Replacing a tire is a good example as well, too. Yeah, so the content it, it is, is when you're taught when you were just talking, I was thinking, oh, how did we ever do anything in the old days, you know, before we had YouTube and these other Called online the sources? I, I don't know. Yeah, I think you'd have to go to the library and buy or like check out a book that's like car maintenance or whatever to figure out, you know, if you didn't have a parent or, or some other expert in your life that could teach you these things. So yeah, it's such a great resource. TikTok, TikTok too is a is a good resource for learning a lot of things. Uh, so you know, I think there's a hashtag TikTok taught me to do it or something like that. TikTok taught me. Uh, so we, we are going to these sites to learn how to do things. So they are, they are super helpful in that. We don't, we don't want to forget that even though YouTube is a social network in a sense, it really is a lot more great content that can uh, be helpful to us. I wonder if you'll have more independent people in the future, like when it comes to maybe you'll have a reliance on social media or something, but I feel like you would have more kids, especially knowing how to do like there's my things my nephew does on Minecraft and I get he's been playing the game probably a lot more time than I've ever spent on that game or ever will spend on any game, but he makes things where I'm like, how did you do this and then you know it's mind boggling. And then that's just with anything, really. I mean, you can find a kid that at the age of 12 knows how to fix his bike, put his bike chain back on without any help. And it's like, you're seeing kids that are just like, I want to know what this is, I'm going to look it up, they find it might be good or bad, but they find out what it is. And usually try and apply it into their life where you have a kid that fixes his bike, you have a kid that does something that obviously he'd have to be older to understand what it is like. Um, I want, I mean, kids are in crypto coin, I think now too. I don't know if they add it to a point where you have to put it on a credit card, but I know kids that'll talk about Bitcoin, like they know everything about it. And I'm just like, I don't understand this currency. That's a good point. There's like no limits to what we can learn, you know, whatever it is, like you're saying, you know, whether it's Bitcoin or a, a video game, we can learn about it online. So in a way, yeah, I think we maybe are more empowered to say, um, well, if I want to learn, if I want to learn about something. I have a great resource called YouTube or, you know, something else that's online that can, that can help teach me that. So, yeah, I think it does make us maybe more resourceful and uh, just um, better at kind of taking charge and saying, I can, I can do this. I just watch a video and I can learn how to do it. I just got one last question for you. And that's when it comes to social media or anything that you research or focus into anything you've written your two books, what made you get interested in looking into this? Oh, that's a great question. So I came out of my PhD program in the early 2000s. And I know that's like forever ago. And it was just the perfect time. So my my dissertation that I did for my PhD was on digital advertising. And so I was really already interested in this space. Now, this is before 
Facebook, MySpace. We didn't even really have blogging platforms like they were kind of launching around the early 2000s. And so I do remember saying to somebody very early on, you know, I think I'm really interested in studying blogging, this thing called blogging. And then I just just grew with whatever platforms, you know, I was always interested in whatever the latest platform was. So I remember doing MySpace studies, Facebook studies, Twitter, uh, Foursquare was a cool location app. I think it's still around in a different version. I did a Foursquare four study at one time. So just really interested in watching these platforms. And so I teach advertising and public relations and these fields need to stay on, on top of social media as well. So I think just, you know, kind of coming out of school at the right time where this was all happening in front of my eyes. I was teaching it. I was having to, uh, you know, research as well. And this was the area that I landed on. Well, Kelly, I really appreciate the time you've given me to talk on my show. Is there a place where people can find your Twitter or any other of your links as well too? Great. Yeah. Thank you so much, Robbie. Yes. You can find me on Twitter, Kelly S Burns. That's Kelly with an I S B U R N S. I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm very easy to find as an academic. So just uh, Kelly with an I so you can find me on LinkedIn. I think I'm Kelly S Burns there as well. I'm on Instagram as Kelly Suze Burns, which is part of my middle name, Suzanne. And um, so those, those are my major platforms that you can find me. And uh, I just love for anybody to connect with me. Well, I'll make sure I link all your links in the description. It's been a pleasure chatting and thanks for listening to this episode of Out of the